Hello and welcome to the first ever Lib Dem pod. I am John Potter and with me is, I was going to call you Sir Richard Kemp. That will do, yeah, 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 No, you haven't quite got there yet, but we've got Richard Kemp, leader of the Liverpool Lib Dems. Um, so this is a new podcast that we are setting up for activists, by activists kind of thing, talking about anything and everything Lib Dem related. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lib Dem Pod. Uh, I would love to hear any questions, comments, feedback. Feel free to subscribe. Um, if you want to follow Richard on Twitter, I don't think you're on Instagram, are you, Richard? Uh, no. You're not, uh, so that is count- <laughs> I to think what that was. <laughs> so, oh, the answer is no. Uh, and it's, uh, it's count- it could be if you tell me. Yes, we'll, we'll get that sorted. Uh, and, and Richard is at, at Councillor Kemp, and I am on Twitter and Instagram as at John Potter LD. Obviously, a couple of housekeeping things is this is a, a podcast where the odd swear word might creep in, but I can promise you there'll be no scenes of a sexual nature. So, and on that, we will get on with the first episode. Well, I'm a bit disappointed now, but carry on. <laughs> I mean, the first episode for us to clearly deal with is we've had three elections. Local elections, the European elections, and the Peterborough by-election, which was just last night... Uh, as we're recording this, this will probably be a few days afterwards by the time you guys are listening to it. Um, so, Richard, give us your initial thoughts of where, where the Lib Dems are now. Well, uh, I'm optimistic, but not over-optimistic. Uh, I've been a, a party member for 52 years now, and I've seen surges come and I've seen them disappear again. So the first thing to say is that we're clearly in a different position in 2019 than we were in 2015. Uh, Our membership is a lot better. Uh, More importantly, perhaps, than our total membership, our activist base is much higher, although nowhere near what we need. Uh, And clearly, uh, even in places like Liverpool, and I suspect Preston, I'd be interested to hear what you say about this, our toxicity with Labour voters has disappeared. Definitely. And that was, that was something we found where we did a lot of canvassing over the last year. And what we used to term coalition bashers, that didn't matter what you said, they would just be angry at you, has all but disappeared. Now, I, I don't think I remember one person really bringing it up. And if they did, it was more than... Yeah, well, you took your licks for the coalition and now we realise what you do great locally and mm. we'll vote for you. Um, and that's maybe one of the things that we should talk about is actually these local... It was very easy after the local election to say, oh, it was just a national bounce, it was a protest, etc. So we did our kind of... Our figures and found out our base vote in Preston was about 11.6%. And our vote in our target areas averaged out at 46%. So that's not, that's not by chance, that's not by luck. That is a lot of Lib Dems going out there and doing graft. Yeah, I, I think what a lot of Lib Dems don't understand, because a very large proportion of our membership is in London and the South East, is that up north, where you and I both practice, it's still trench warfare against the Labour Party. Uh, we have to go in, we have to dig the trench, we have to lob things out of it, then we have to advance across the uh, the killing fields to try and take seats uh, at the moment. There are no easy gains. There That's are a... no easy gains, uh, but there are gains to be had. So we made two more this year. We've gone up in Liverpool from two to ten. 
but every one of those has been very, very hard work. It's very easy for us now, after a set of good results, to think, right, let's go try and win here, let's go try and win there, and actually, you'll just spread yourself too thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so targeting is key. But obviously, we, we can't ignore what happened in the Euros. The Euros yeah. was uh, incredible. I mean, to put it in the historical context, that was the first time since 1906 the Lib Dems have polled above the Tories and Labour together. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there in 1906. But I have checked uh, in, in history books as well. Yes, uh, what happened was, was phenomenal and certainly something that we can build on. Uh, but what we've seen in the south of England is us just rampaging against the Tories. Now, I'm absolutely confident that up in the north of England, if Corbyn ever became the Prime Minister, we'd go rampaging. We'd just take seats. We'd be saying to people, just be a paper candidate, will you? Then we'd have to be apologising for getting them elected three weeks uh, later. Because yeah, that's what's happened in the south. I, I do and, know. And, it, and it's worth reflecting on Labour a little bit, because... It's quite remarkable, because the Tories have been in meltdown pretty much since the, the 2016 referendum, and in particular the 2017 general election, it's kind of it's let Labour a little bit off the hook with just how terrible their performances have been over the last few years. To not win the 2017 general election against the, how poor that Tory campaign was, and then... Mm. To, and the biggest one, I think, was obviously the Euro elections. They could say, all right, you know, they had the Greens and the Lib Dems, and people had an option not to vote Labour in a proportional ish voting system. But to lose seats in the local elections, mm. and they lost, I think, 80 odd seats. 80 odd seats, yeah. Uh, after nine years of not being in government, and the Tories and the coalition years being in government, was really stark. I mean, they are going nowhere, Labour. In fact, they're going backwards. I think there's a, a more important indicator than that, and that's if you look at the favourability index mm -hmm. of Theresa May and Corbyn. Incredibly, even though May has effectively resigned, she's still more popular as a Prime Minister than Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> and I, I don't think the Labour Party get that, because up, up here, certainly, the Labour Party are a cult. Yeah. There are a group of uh, people forming around him for whom he is without a doubt the Messiah. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what I find on the doorstep. No, and I think what, and, and Preston Council has a lot of very pro Corbyn or Corbynist or whatever you want to call them members who don't understand how anyone cannot see him as the Messiah. Yeah, well, I've seen all this before, of course, because mm -hmm. in the 80s we had militant uh, here. Uh, and, and in fact, some of the people are there. They, we call them pension momentum here because they're, they're, they're the old militant <laughs> people with bus passes. Not that I've got anything against bus passes because I have one uh, myself. But they are very close. So we're going to, we've institu instituted a, an extraordinary council meeting uh, to look at the position of an elected mayor for Liverpool. And that's just been panned by the new momentum councillors because their plan was to take it to the movement. Yeah. We're going to discuss it with the branches and the walls and the affiliates and the trade unions. We point out that it isn't the Labour Party's city, it's the people's yeah. city. But they have this view of meeting after meeting. And, and, they get, and they get lost in their own little echo chamber, which is the problem. And yeah. we, I mean, the, the Preston Labour Group has had quite a lot of national coverage about what's called the Preston model, which is a, yes. fa a fairly simple thing of just 
using local suppliers to do local work and contractors, which actually I think most areas yeah. would want and to the do. Problem with that is I, what? No, I have absolutely, I have no problem with that. But yeah. over the course of the last year, I knocked on the doors of four thousand people, and I genuinely did not have one person come up to me and say. Can I talk to you about the Preston model? People don't care how services are provided. As actually. long as they're there. As long as they're there yeah. and they, they work for them. And I think that's, that's very important. It gets you right back to the grassroots politics that I believe in. Uh, if you can talk to people about their or your or our, mm. then they're very interested. Uh, some of them will then go and say, well, what does that mean for Liverpool? And even less will say, what does that mean for the country? But that's our job to put it together. Now, you might think I'm being patronising when I say that. I think I'm just being realistic. Yeah, and, and you, you see, I mean, it, I, we could talk about something, a major national issue, whether it's, you know, pension reform or something that's really important, and no one will mention it. If I fix a pothole on the street... Mm. they'll care more about that mm. than they will about the pension reform because people are parochial. And, yes. it's, and they're not dismissive of the pension reform, but the, if it directly affects them, they generally are more interested. The exception has, of course, been for the last six to nine months is Brexit. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so you're door knocking. I can remember in, in Mosley Hill Award, we, we just m failed to gain a seat. This woman obviously recognised me. I went to the door and said, we're not going to talk about Brexit. I said, no, that's fine. I'm fed up with talking about Brexit, love. <laughs> and then we spent 10 minutes talking about Brexit. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, you said you didn't want to talk about it. He said, yeah. She said, but I haven't met anyone who knows about it before. No, and, 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 and the way Brexit has framed everything in politics, I mean, mm. I... I you know, nothing else is getting done because of it. So there's not, you can't talk about new reforms to the housing market or anything like that because none of that's happening. Whitehall is stuck. Absolutely. Well, as you probably know, I lead on health and social care at the local government association. And we're now, we've now been waiting two years for the green paper on adult social care. So care of the elderly, when you're 66 like I am, uh, is quite an important topic, but it is an important topic for the country. This paper, I know has not even been written yet. Yeah. And there's decision after decision. We've now been told uh, we're not going to get a comprehensive spending review. And, and the crunch time is coming up. Obviously, I represent... You're in a, a, an upper-tier authority in Liverpool, and I rep, I'm also on Lancashire County yeah. Council. And this social care time bomb is, is going to hit. It's going to hit either next year or the year after. And... All these councils, we, we, we're hearing slight things, obviously, with Northamptonshire going, but the, the real problems are right around the corner. Yeah. And if the government doesn't sort out some sort of funding for local councils to keep going, there will be a lot of councils going to the wall. It is the big issue now. I mean, my council spends about 50% of its budget mm -hmm. on social care. Another sort of 20% on uh, children's care, that, that's excluding the education uh, side of it, doesn't leave much to do the other things that people want uh, and, and indeed uh, need. Uh, and this, of course, is linked next year with changes in the way that council is going to be funded. So the need for the comprehensive spending review then was going to encompass the changes in local government spending. Are they happening? Uh, what will that mean? How will they share some money out? I haven't got a clue. So mm -hmm. it, it's quite possible 
that uh, Liverpool will be bankrupt this yeah. time next year. Now, I could make political capital out of it and blame the Labour Party, but it would also be bankrupt if I was the mayor. Yeah, of, that's of, right. Of Liverpool. We could do it better, yeah. but we can't mitigate the big yeah, problems. The, 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 way I, the, the line I've used against the Labour Council in Preston is that they've been given a bad hand, yeah. but they've played it really badly as well. Yes, that's and I right. think that's it. So, but going back to the elections, obviously we talked about Labour. I mean... I mean, the complete collapse of the Tory party. I mean, I don't know if they're going to survive this. I mean, the the difference... I mean, the Euro elections were interesting because Labour were really fed up. They, mm. they didn't think they would get as low as what they did. The Tories knew it was coming. Mm. But they is, didn't know it was going that bad, except for perhaps the last week. Yeah, but the the... Just the utter collapse of the Tory vote. Now, do, will they get that back? Will Will the Brexit party be a little blip? And then actually people think, particularly if Brexit is, if we go out with no deal in October, which would be horrendous for the country. But I mean, I imagine mm. there's a lot of Tories thinking at least it gets us beyond it. Well, I'm a great subscriber to a theory of someone, uh, produced by someone called Lord Wade, who you'll probably know well, was uh, a, Labour, a, a Liberal MP for Huddersfield uh, when we had a, a compact with the Tories in, in the old wool uh, towns. Uh, and his view was that there are three spheres of political influence. Uh, liberalism, the extreme of which is anarchism, uh, conservatism, the extreme of which is fascism, and socialism, the extreme of which is communism. And he it linked those three spheres, and in the middle, in British politics, there's a big overlap between mm. the parties. Because yeah. actually, although we don't like to say it, by and large we have agreed on about 70% of everything. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but what's happening now is, in my view, first of all, those spheres are moving away, so it is less mm. than 70-80% of which we have in common, but the people who populate those spheres might be different. Mm. So there will always be a Conservative Party. Yeah. Whether it's the Conservative Party, there will always be a Socialist Party, whether it is the Labour Party, and there will always be a Liberal Party. And that's why, I'm, uh, on, on a liberal level, I'm more than happy to talk to people from Change UK. I'm more than happy to talk to Ken Clark. I'm more than happy to talk to uh, Labour MPs. Because we've always been a pluralistic party. Uh, and, and we should be, because uh, the centre ground isn't necessarily occupied just by us mm. or just by Change. Uh, and in fact, we have more in common with some members of the Labour Party... Uh, and Conservative Party, fewer in the Conservative Party than we do, for example, with the Green Party. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's, what's definitely happening is this tribalism ha is, is there still, but actually it's there maybe more with people like ourselves, you know, the people, the political yeah. activists, etc. Well, actually, the general public, the people said, oh, well, my dad always voted Labour, so I am. I think that's I think that's going. I mean, there was a big thing in the 2017 that actually, you know, 80% of the country voted Labour yeah. or Tory. That was a blip, though. It was across the trend which was broken. And it was down. an incredibly unusual one where you know they had a it was all it was Brexit wound up with the Lib Dems being incredibly weak and yeah. you know and the Greens and still a magic grandpa turning up. Yeah, exa exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so. Whether we are now facing a realignment in politics, you, me, would, would be a very rich man if we could see into the future and know that. But what as Lib Dems we've got to do is 
not go back on what we believe in. And I think yeah. what the success of the, the EU campaign was, we could be unapologetic. Because mm. I mean, most Lib Dems, I would say, maybe definitely not all, but I'd say the vast majority, bre- any form of Brexit is, is worse for the country. So we could be completely am- mm. unambiguous and just say, stop Brexit. Well, what we can't be is a one-trick pony. No. So the question, to my mind, that we've got to put to the whole of this party is what are the other three or four things we want people to be absolutely clear about? Now, I'm on the Federal Policy Committee, uh, and I'm not always the most popular member because I think we've produced (laughs) some very complicated documents, and I don't understand some of them, and I'm sure most people don't read them, including party members. But what I want to be able to go to the next general election with is some key principles. So let's take housing. Mm. We don't need another housing policy. What we need is for people to know that we are the only party that says your house isn't above all a financial institute, it's your home. And your home is set in a neighbourhood, not on an estate. And I think where Lib Dems... Their strength and their weakness is that obviously our policies are very well scrutinised through conference and we are member-led kind of with our policy committee. But that does sometimes mean we get a bit too nausy with it and we're too inward-looking with it. Instead of saying, yes, we've got a fantastic policy, but the next step is how do we sell it? Yes. And, and, and if you can't sell it, then nobody cares. Because I actually generally believe that most of the things that Lib Dems really are passionate about whether it's electoral form, land value tax, housing reform, all the rest of them, we have fantastic policies, but mm. our delivery of them has been wishy-washy. We used to run Liverpool, yeah. we used to run Sheffield, we used to run Newcastle, mm. we used to run Hull, uh, we used to partly run Birmingham. Yeah. All these places can come back to us. But it is a question of having the courage of our convictions and being a lot harder, harder edged with our policies and harder with the way they promote them. We come across as very nice people by and large. Well, that's not what the Labour Party think of me in no. Liverpool. They think I'm the <laughs> devil incarnate with horns and a tail. Uh, and I'm sure you're very popular with the yeah, equivalents. I, 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 so you're lucky. You only have one political party that doesn't like it. I have the Tories and Labour both ah, thinking right, I yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. Well, my advice to Lib Dems, and this is very serious, is that we all ought to be in favour of two-party politics. <laughs> so what we did in Liverpool 25 years ago was to abolish the Conservative Party. Now, I just think we should just get on with that. Well, they're helping, oh, them, they're well, helping they us do it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, two-party politics is very good if you're one of the two. We're delighted to say that this episode has been sponsored by LD Supplies. If you require posters, garden stakes, high quality leaflets, then go check out LD Supplies. Facebook.com stroke LD Supplies. When was the last time you think, outside of obviously Brexit and we've had this breakthrough, that a Lib Dem policy really resonated with the general public? Penny on the pound for education. Yeah. Uh, to some extent, it was our most popular policy, penny in the pound for the health service. Yeah. In, in, in 2017. Fact, that's right. I think it was just about the only one they knew. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why when we took control of the council, people didn't know what it was in our manifesto. No. We produce a manifesto every year because it interests some people. But what's more interesting is, is we can say we've got one. Yeah. They don't particularly read it. 
if we can go into the next general election with people knowing Brexit and four other things about us, yeah. then I think we're well on the way. And they might disagree with two of them. Yeah. I mean, we get people here saying, Richard, I don't believe, I don't agree with anything you say. I said, well, who are you voting for? And here, well, we always vote for you, because at least we know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, had a, I had a wonderful conversation, uh, and I won't name him because it was a, it was a private conversation, but it was a, a very senior Labour activist in, um, in Preston. And we were, we were talking away, and he said, uh, it was on the, the eve of the EU referendum, and he said, well, I am definitely for Remain. You know, we are a Remain party. And I said, yeah, but your position is that you remain what is your party's actual position? And he said, oh, I couldn't tell you. Mm. And, and that sort of ambiguity kills parties. Uh, absolutely, because then you go back to your meetings, as the Labour Party doing the whole time now, and squabbling, whether it's anti-Semitism or Brexit. Yeah. But perhaps that's one of the things we could, can, we, we could talk about. I mean, I'm quite keen we develop these podcasts as a, a place where other people can yeah. contribute as well, but particularly those who agree with our... A reaction to a metropolitan elite who want mm. to break up the country into manageable chunks who really care about issues of poverty because one of the things I think we have to look at is understanding what class is yeah because there's still the uh, the class war warriors from the 1950s in the Labour Party most of them are about 22 <laughs> uh, who've gone we're it we're there for the working class yeah. uh, and of course they've, they're just finishing their masters yeah. in, in yeah. urban affairs or, or, or something I don't think most people see themselves in the prism of class no, these and, days and I, I remember a very funny moment it was a John Prescott documentary actually where he was going around all as he does and he, he went up to a he went up to a, a young lady and he said, um, "So, wh what class do you what class do you think you are?" And she goes, "Oh, I'm middle class. I'm middle class." And he goes, "Oh, do you not see yourself as working class?" Went, no, no, I don't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, and it was that that she was upper class. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that idea, I've never really bought into a class thing, and I I have a feeling like people use it as a stick to bash other people. Yeah. Rather than what what does that actually? I mean, I grew up in a very deprived part of West Cumbria. You know, a really old, you know, old, well, it's near Sellafield, so, you know, the steel industry mm, had gone, mm. the coal industry had gone. But I grew up in a fairly comfortable household. You know, my dad yeah. worked... My Good dad, family. And my, yeah, my yeah. Mom, and me, me, me dad was a, worked for the NHS, my mum was a nurse and all the rest of it. So, but you can't... I never thought of class as... I don't see myself as working class. I didn't see myself as middle class. I just thought... You are. You are. That's yeah. right. You know, and yeah. the, you know, I, I went back home and saw my old rugby league club, which was now all but falling apart, and it filled you with sadness. Not because I thought, you know, Labour have betrayed the working class in Whitehaven and Workington and places like that. It's because these areas have been left behind by a two-party system mm. where. No matter what happens, a Labour, well, actually Copeland happened, and now the Tories got in. But you know, on the vast, the vast areas of this country. Where they are politically homeless because there's never any change. Yeah, I mean, you, you go to council estate after council estate in Liverpool when we can get out there. People say, oh, we haven't seen anyone for years, mm -hmm. and that's including their party. Uh, the, the Labour Party is, is has half a million members and probably not all that many more activists than than we do, uh, and we make the effort to go out. But in, there are places in Liverpool which don't hear from the Labour Party between one election. Uh, and the next. 
so there's a whole series of things about uh, class, a whole series of things about how you engage with disempowered yeah. and disadvantaged uh, communities. And I used to do that for, uh, for a living. And then how do we break up uh, the, these perceptions? So uh, people said to me, yeah, so what did you get your doctorate in? I said, big pardon? Yeah. Said, well, no, what, do you, what, do you, what have you got your doctorate in? I said, I don't even have a degree. No. And uh, then I, I, when I tell kids, oh, yeah, we've always had a bath in our house. Um, for the first 11 years, <laughs> it was kept under the bed in my yeah. room. Yeah. We didn't have a bathroom. It was a zinc bath. Right. And it was kept so under I, the I, bed. I, I'm just going to pretend like I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the miners yeah, in front yeah. of the fire. <laughs> tell, it wasn't like that. We had a bar. And I, I was the youngest, so I always had to clean all the clean yeah. water uh, in the kitchen with, a, with an old copper geezer boiling up the water. But the, I, the, the problem I have is that if we don't fight for some of these areas, then ugly parties can sometimes emerge. And Brexit. I, for, for, yeah, for, and, for, yeah, and Brexit happened because... Of these disenchanted areas, so yeah. having some having an, something to unleash their fury on, and most of them, I assume, have actually no issue with the EU whatsoever. It's just a foil for their other problems. Look, if uh, 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 we had the Copeland by-election yeah. months after the EU referendum, yeah. uh, and they always think I come from rough places, they always put me in rough places <laughs> when I go to by-elections, and I was out on a, a cliff edge. Uh, was it Workington or Whitehaven? Whitehaven I always get the two. Whitehaven, yeah. yeah. Uh, a former mining uh, estate built by the NCB. I knew it reasonably because I'd tried to rescue the pit buildings to, 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 to do something for economic purposes uh, there. And you open the car door, you could smell two things, coal and despair. Mm. Uh, and if I lived on one of those estates... I might have voted leave because I tell you, my life couldn't be any worse than it is. And now. it was interesting in in Lancashire, when again during the the Blair Brown years, where Labour very much took their vote for granted, mm. and you saw the rise of the BNP, mm. and it and it was we were within a hair's breadth of the BNP becoming the official opposition in Burnley. Absolutely, and the Burnley Lib Dems rolled their sleeves up and said, we do not want that to be our town. Mm. And they fought and they eventually, BMP were all but wiped out uh, and then they took the council and took the MP and obviously yeah. then coalition happened. But that was the point, is that yeah. in a vacuum, sometimes evil comes in. Evil flourishes when good men stand aside. Yeah. Or not that they stand aside, they can't be bothered to get there. And that's one of the challenges I'd like to put to the Lib Dems. Hey, sorry Lib Dems, you, you're riding the tide at the moment. Will you do what some churches do? You'll find that churches in prosperous areas also have a parish in Africa mm. or in a poor part of the country. Will you adopt a ward in Preston yeah. or Liverpool? Uh, if you haven't gotten the elections on, would two or three of you come up for the weekend? Can you find us 500 quid, mm. which you probably can raise at one event? It would take me a lot of time to do. So it's how you create those linkages, because if we're going to be a national party, we have to be strong nationally. Because the time will come when it will go the other way. Yeah, politics is cyclical, and that, that's probably a good place to end our, our first podcast. Um, a little also shout out that the, lib, the leadership hustings are still going on. 
Um, this podcast will hopefully be out uh, before many of them, but go onto the website libdems.org.uk. If you can get to a hustings, please do. Um, and no, but thank you very much, Richard, for this. We're, I think we're going to try and do quite, this quite regularly because yeah. this seems quite good. Um, well, we've uh, had a good chat. We've anyway, had a good we? chat, yeah. And, oh, uh, we, and the beer hasn't started no, flowing. Well, yet. we were going to come up with a more imaginative name than uh, Lib Dem Podcast, but then we, <laughs> there, well, there wasn't enough beer for us to get the creative juices going straight away. But we think we'll stick on message for the time yes, being. Yes, we'll, we'll, well, we'll stick on our message. <laughs> and we'll, we have to find out whether party headquarters and the new leader uh, like us, but uh, we'll see. We'll see, but we'll probably carry on anyway, John, because we're from North. Yeah, they can't tell us what to do. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Indeed. Uh, please feel free to review, to like and share this around and subscribe because we're gonna, we're going to have at least several before the party kicks us out. Um, so thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>